Hello, and welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. So it's Saturday, and uh, Saturday early evening, and I'm sitting here after running my first real trail race since March. Let me just tell you, it's an amazing feeling. And so I decided that I would record this one early and drop it and, you know, hope that you will enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's, oh my gosh, you know, last weekend, of course, was wonderful to, you know, dip my toe back into the trail racing culture by volunteering at the Mellow Race, which was really a lot of fun. Um, but actually getting to do a race today was pretty darn amazing. Um, I picked the Texas two-way torture test, which is like this tongue twister of a name, um, which is held at Lighthouse Ranch. And it's um, between Burnett and Johnson City uh, off of 281 and 290. If you want to look it up on a map, uh, you'll see like this lighthouse sitting on top of the hill. And it's got, it's got a ranch, of course, and some pretty cool um, properties that you can rent out and, uh, you know, for groups. And uh, they also have a winery, as I understand. So, you know, there's, there's stuff to do. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I've done, I did this race, uh, I want to say three or four years ago. And I think at that time they were just, they offered a 50 K 20 miler and a 10 miler. And so they weren't even doing this, uh, partner stuff that they did today. Um, and, and so, and then last year, I think they offered it in March or April and, um, and they had this thing where you, you could either have a partner or not. And then they have two ways to circle the ranch, uh, on a 10 mile loop. And, um, so one, you know, group starts clockwise, the other does counterclockwise. And so last year I happened to, um, make it there a little, a little late. I mean, I got there just, I think I underestimated how long it was going to take me to get there. Cause it's a little, it's like an hour and change or something like that. But I, uh, definitely <laughs> underestimated the length of time that it would take me to get up there. And, um, so it was like 8am when I got there and it, which was starting time. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so it was me and this other woman. Um, and we were both kind of in the same boat and we, um, had to sort of hustle to get to the starting line, except that we, the problem is, is from the parking lot, if you're not paying attention, you start seeing the orange or pink, I'm not really sure what color those are, uh, the hang tags for the trail. And so I thought that was what we had to follow to get to the um, starting line. And so that's what we did. And so we, we get almost like a half mile out and I'm like, oh my God, this is not right. This, <laughs> this is not where we need to be. And then at that same time, other runners are heading out uh, onto the course in the opposite direction. And I saw my friend David Zuniga and I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? And he's like, it's back that way. And, you know, pointing in the opposite direction. So me and Griselda, this um, other runner, she and I hustled ourselves in the opposite direction and, and did make our way to the starting line, but we were probably a good I don't know, maybe 30 minutes late. Um, I don't know. I can't really remember, but I just remember I, you know, added a mile onto my time. And then the, the previous time I had done this race, I had managed to get myself lost and uh, <laughs> added an hour, hour, added a mile onto my 
distance. And so I was out for revenge this time. It was like, okay, I am not going to screw this up this time. So, um, and, and the thing I like about this race, first of all, it's not too far away from where I live. It's, you know, like I say, an hour and change. The, um, the terrain is, is pretty nice. I mean, it's, it's pretty much wide Jeep roads. And I mean, there are some rocks and some definite elevation. I mean, I think I got like 700 and something feet of elevation today. Um, you know, but it was okay. And, and, but I got there early cause I was just like, okay, I'm not going to screw this up this time. And I didn't, uh, thank goodness. And the cool thing is, is that this time I got to go in, in the opposite direction of where I've run the previous times. And so, um, to be honest with you, I prefer that way because it doesn't take me through the part where I got lost the first time. And I almost got lost the second time. Um, there's this weird section that kind of dips into the woods and then you come out and then you kind of go through like some houses and things like that. But if you're not paying attention, you <laughs> keep circling around and going, Oh my God, there's the aid station again. How did I do that? <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, yeah. And the, here's the cool thing to, about today. I mean, as you, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I've been struggling I do mean struggling, um, with the heat. I mean, and this is not an unusual problem or anything like that, but it's just, it's just like, it's soul sucking. It's like, Oh, I can't do this. But this morning it was in the sixties. In fact, it was, as I drove North, it kept dropping. And like, I think when I left San Antonio, it was probably like 70 or something like that. And by the time I got to the race, it was like 62. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And so it had just a little bit of crispness in the air, crispness, not Christmas. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And so that felt kind of good. And, um, you know, I saw some of my, uh, friends from the San Antonio Roadrunners off-road, uh, group, um, including Kimberly Abouchan, uh, who has been interviewed on here and a handful of other people. And I wore my, uh, SAR shirt, uh, mainly just cause it was clean and it sort of matched my shorts. And, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that really made this different, um, in terms of the COVID is that it, um, you had uh, to wear like a buff or a mask, you know, when you're in groups or at the starting line and things like that, you know, and to be honest, that's really not a real big deal. Cause you know, you don't run with it the whole time. Cause let me tell you, I don't think I could breathe if I had to run the whole time with the mask on. Ugh. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, so the weather was really nice and I, and I had my vest with me, you know, my, my hydration vest and I had frozen bottles overnight, you know, like with um, this, uh, electrolyte drink mix in one and water in the other. Cause you know, when it's really hot, it's nice to have a frozen bottle and that melts as you go. But I just kind of made a game time decision that, you know what, I don't think I need all this jazz. And so I just, um, grabbed my handheld and I had a pack of chews in there and I stuffed a gel in there. Um, honey stinger, if you're interested, if you guys want to sponsor me, drop me a line. Uh, anyway, I love honey stinger, by the way, that's, it's like my favorite, probably my favorite brand of, uh, you know, like chews and gels. Cause they're really easy on my stomach. They're organic and they're just not real gloopy. Like, uh, a lot of them can be, but anyway, so I had that. And then I had my, um, my spy belt, which is, a 
I forget what SPI stands for. It's SPI. Um, anyway, it's like a, a little belt that you can wear that you can just, you know, jam your phone in there or whatever. And, and I created a playlist uh, the night before with the most random music. My God, I start off with uh, this, this thing that Orville Peck just uh, created for Diplo, who's a DJ. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like a minute and a half. And so I started off with that and then I went into, Oh my God, what else did I go into? Let me look at my Spotify playlist. Um, that, that, uh, okay. Yeah, here we go. Um, crocodiles. <laughs> Biko by Peter Gabriel. Some clash. Some Morrissey, the specials, the monkeys, the dandy Warhols, which was really, really fun, by the way. Um, I think I might have to watch Dig tonight. If you've never seen the documentary Dig, D-I-G, with an exclamation point, it's made by this documentarian, uh, Andy Timiner, and she took seven years. Oh, my God. It's like a nightmare because, I mean, again, I have a degree in, you know, documentary, and <laughs> but it's such a great work of art. But she spent seven years with these two bands, the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre, and... They're sort of like rivals, but friends um, up in like Seattle and, and uh, San Francisco and, and, and that area. And uh, she just kind of chronicles the, the, you know, trajectory of their careers over a seven year period. And um, <laughs> it's, I don't want to get into it too much, but one of the groups ends up with a big drug problem. You know, they get addicted to heroin and, um, you know, just flaming out, although they were the more, all right, it's the Brian Jonestown massacre, but they end up being the much more, um, talented of the, of the two groups. <laughs> although I have to say that the Dandy Warhols are sort of like these suburban punks and their stuff is like kind of upbeat and fun and like, yay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really like the Brian Jonestown massacre probably more, but nonetheless, I, I, I can, I can get behind Dandy Warhols if I'm running. So anyway, there you go. How about that? Um, yeah. And so then it kind of went into Orishas and some Cuban music. And then I, <laughs> Orville Peck had this song on, on one of his playlists and it was by Conway Twitty of all people. And it's pretty hot and it's called Lonely Blue Boy. And I never thought Conway Twitty could like, he sounds like Elvis in this song. And, and so that was pretty amazing. And so I was like kind of jamming out to that. Um, yeah. And then I had, you know, Kung Fu fighting. Oh, geez, Louise. I mean, it was just insane. And so then I went to a bunch of clash, uh, Nikki to be crocodiles, the Mavericks. Yeah. And so that was, <laughs> that was the gist of my playlist and it was pretty crazy. You know, it was, uh, it was eclectic, but you know what? It worked and it was really fun. So anyway, so I had that thing cranking, um, and of course I started at the back. We, we started, I think about five or six after eight and, um, the, the people who were running the 10 miler and people who were, I guess the partners of the relay team. So what you do is you have these, if you have a relay partner, then you have somebody who starts going in one direction and then you go in the opposite. And the idea is that you guys, you know, meet back at the finish and your combined time is your total. Okay. Which is sort of crazy. Um, so I, I hung in the back cause I, I know my place. I'm, 
<laughs> I'm going to kid myself. And, you know, I have to say like the, you know, the first mile or two were sort of, you know, hellish. And I was like, <gasps> can't breathe. You know, I was already starting to walk about a half mile in. I'm like, gosh, darn it. You know, come on. And then, you know, then things started getting better and, you know, I started to like kind of find my groove and, um, but I, I was definitely, you know, sort of like the race to the bottom, you know, the, the race to the back. <laughs> so it was like these three ladies ahead of me. And then I think I had a couple behind me and, uh, yeah, we just kind of kept leapfrogging each other. And, but I was determined not to be DFL, which is dead <clears throat> flipping last, um, which I was last year. So I, I was, but that was because I started late. Okay. It wasn't cause I was that slow, but nonetheless, I, uh, you know, I went out there and I was just kind of like feeling okay. Just kind of getting a feel for, you know, running on, in a, in a race setting, even though I really wasn't racing. I was just like, yeah, my goal was to try to finish before 225. I know that's like, you know, who for a 10 miler, but I mean, really, if I do a 10 miler, I mean, even when I lived in the Valley and was a little younger, I could do a 10 miler in about two hours, so it's about five miles an hour. So, I mean, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, super duper fast and, uh, you know, but I, I, I figured with the, the rocks, there's some rocks and, and, you know, a few hills and stuff. So I was like, all right, I just kind of you know, see how this all goes. And yeah, so I, uh, but I definitely didn't want to be last. So I, I, I knew I was at least ahead. I was like third from the back, at least from what I could tell in my direction. And, um, but it was, it was a really lovely day and, you know, it was just, I mean, thank God I did not run into any cows this time. Uh, I think the first time I did the race, um, I ran across the son of one of my friends who's now at Columbia university and he's like 21, I think. Um, but he was 15 at the time. God, maybe that was a really long time ago. Whee. Anyway, he was kind of standing on the side of the trail, kind of looking at me and I'm like, what's going on, Mark? He's like, well, uh, would you mind walking with me past the, the cows? <laughs> like, well, wow, I'm going to really protect you from cows. Okay. And, um, cause apparently his mom had gotten chased by some cows earlier in the race. And, uh, so anyway, this is, you know, a few years ago and, uh, yeah. So I just kind of walked by the cows and just kind of, you know, talk to them a little bit. Like, look, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that we're, we're, we're in your territory and I know this isn't much fun for y'all, but just let us get through. Okay. And we'll leave you alone. Yeah. Whispering sweet cow, nothings. That's me. <laughs> Fortunately, there were no cows today. In fact, there really wasn't much of anything out there today. I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, some dried up cow poop and things like that. I mean, it really, it was fairly unspectacular. Um, they did have some, uh, water stations, uh, very generously placed about every two and a half miles. And, um, you know, and again, carrying a handheld, that was sort of nice. I did feel myself start to flag like around mile three and a half and, uh, I didn't eat a lot for breakfast. Um, the way like a pig last night. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, Yes, but I, you know, just water, I took a gel, you know, my chocolate honey stinger organic chocolate gel, which is really good. Um, although I have to say, you know, once you get past like the three quarter packet mark, you're like, that 
feel like I'm going to gag, but you know, I did it because I was like, okay, you got to get some sugar in your system because you need to move. You got to, you know, you got to keep moving. You can't walk. Okay. And so, which I did, I, I, I did a pretty good job of running most of it. I mean, <laughs> my pace was crap, but, um, so yeah, so I did that. And then, um, yeah. And, and I think at, at one station, I was probably about like the seven mile mark, they had Gatorade and I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And so I, you know, filled that handheld up with some, this fruit punch Gatorade and boy, that was like the magic ticket. I just, I felt like I was on fire after that. And so, so that was good, you know, so I felt like I, I did a fairly decent job of attempting to, you know, provide enough sustenance to get myself through a 10 mile race. And, uh, you know, and of course, every now and then I would turn around and look back like, okay, are those other ladies behind me? And I couldn't see them. Or, or if I did, I would see them way off in the distance. So it's like, right, cool. You know, cause I, I really, you know, I mean, I do have some pride. Um, yeah. So I, I, I got through the race. It, it, it felt good. Of course, I was like one of the last people in, but that's okay. I finished and I really didn't care. And, um, so, so that was fun. I mean, it was, it just felt so good to be back to normal in some ways. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping, I, I know we're not out of this thing yet. So, I mean, you know, we're just going to have to kind of play it by ear. And then when I got home, this is sort of sad news. I got an email from the people at the snowdrop race, which is that 55 hour race that I was planning to do a hundred miler for, uh, over new year's. Um, and they are postponing it until next year because of local regulations because of COVID, which I kind of expected, but I was just like, Oh man, you know, cause last week <laughs> I had sent an email or a message to, uh, Sarisa and my friend Tanya and Orly and Kathy saying, Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I mean, really, I'm going to be, you know, a decade older next year. Jeez Louise. And you know, I don't know that I want to spend all this time training, you know, and, and being pretty much unhappy doing it. And, um, and I thought, I just want to go back to 30 K's and below. So, and then I saw that and it was like, great. This, this is just great. Now I'm sort of suckered into this, but <sighs> silver lining, maybe this will teach me that I need to really, as I said a few episodes ago, have a plan and really get that, you know, into, into motion and, you know, adhere to it no matter how much it sucks and no matter how much I hate it. No, no matter how, you know, nauseous I might feel or tired or whatever, um, I've just got to stay with it. And so I think that's, you know, the, the takeaway I, I got from this, um, little episode is, is that, yeah, all right. So, I mean, in some ways I was sort of relieved. I was like, all right, great. Now I don't have to do this. And now I'm thinking of dropping to like the marathon distance at Brazos Bend. Cause I was supposed to do the 50 miler and I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure I really want to do that. I'm not really that ready for it. So I've never done a marathon. So I'm thinking, hmm, maybe this would be my first marathon. So I should maybe try that. And plus it's flat. And uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. I think that's my you know, plan as of today. Who knows what will happen between now and then. But uh, yeah, sort of, it was sort of a drag because I was really looking forward to like <laughs> pretty much kicking 2020 to the curb 
you know, over the course of New Year's, you know, you know, running around this, you know, 0.69 mile track or path or whatever. And, uh, you know, watching the fireworks and all that and just kind of, you know, giving the finger to 2020, <laughs> but ain't going to happen. So, uh, yeah, so I guess I'll have to find some other way to do that, but uh, I don't know. I'll, I'm creative. I can figure this out, but yeah, so that's that. And, uh, I think tomorrow, I mean, I probably would have gone out and done about five more today, except I just, I don't really feel like getting myself sweaty and hot again. Well, it's not that hot, but I was like, all right, I'll just get out and do 10 tomorrow. So that's the plan. I'm going to do 10 tomorrow and just kind of get used to the running on tired legs and that whole shebang and uh, see what happens. But yeah, so I guess I just feel like this is like the, the long <laughs> drawn out training period. And I'm not sure how I feel about this, but it's, uh, it's what I got, you know, it's what we're dealing with. And I'm just really, really hoping that, you know, this thing gets over with next year, because I just don't know. <laughs> I just, yesterday I had a bit of a, um, you know, psychic meltdown, if you will. Um, just, I don't know. I think some of the problem is, is that when you're, you live by yourself, I mean, like I say, I can live by myself and feel pretty good but I don't have a lot of social interaction. And so like going to trail races and whatnot, that is my social outlet. And so now, you know, so for six months that was taken away. And so I just kind of sitting in my house doing, you know, zoom teaching and, you know, I teach at the gym and I, I do see my bubble friend and you know, whatnot. I mean, I, I, I try to do as much as I can, but it's not like I, I'm not a social butterfly, you know, but I think it allows me, and also because there's nobody else in the house except for me and my cats, which they're fine. And of course the outdoor feral friends are really nice. I mean, I enjoy them, but it's like, okay, it's not people, you know, so it's not like I've got a family or somebody that I can like sort of, you know, train my focus on something else, you know, instead of just myself. It's not like I'm trying to be selfish, but it's just like, I'm thinking, oh man, this is dumb, you know, and so I kind of live in my head. And so I, yeah, I had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a breach of sanity yesterday and nothing bad. I mean, I'm feeling great today, but it's just, uh, I've been finding myself going through this probably like three or four times already in the last six months. And so I just, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that with this pseudo normalcy of races and, and whatnot coming back that maybe this will, you know, help my brain feel better. So I don't feel so alone all the time. Um, I still don't think I'm going to go home and see my family. I just, I just don't know. I'm terrified to get on a plane and I just, I don't know. I just, bleh. so I don't know. I'm still, I'm still debating a lot of these things and, and I definitely don't want to drive up to Ohio because it would take me forever because I really hate driving. And it's like, I can only drive for like six hours at a time and then I'm bored, you know, and I, and I can't take my cats with me because they've got pets. And so that would not be good. So I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I just keep picturing a zoom Christmas. Ugh. anyway, I'm just really hoping this nightmare is over soon. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, but, but on the whole, I'm feeling good. I feel pretty good, pretty happy. Um, you know, relieved that there's some stuff on the horizon, bum that there are some things that have been taken away. Um, 
but I guess there's a silver lining in all of this and that, you know, maybe this was meant to be, you know, and, and so I'm just trying to hang on to that. And, um, all right, I'm going to tell you a quick story and then I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I always, I tell all of my, I usually will tell all of my classes, this little story once a semester when they are, they all start getting crabby about work and deadlines and things. And so this was told to me by brother Rick, I think was his name, RIC at St. Louis school in Owensville, Ohio, when I was a kid. And he told us the story of the optimist and the pessimist. Okay. So this woman had a set of twins. Okay. And it was their ninth birthday. And one kid was an optimist. The other was a pessimist. And so she gave the, uh, it was their birthday. And so she gave the um, pessimist a pony because he asked for a pony. And she took both boys out to the barn and showed, you know, the uh, pessimist this black pony. And he immediately just like went into this, you know, tantrum where, you know, like, you know, fell on the ground and pounded his fists and cried. She's like, what's the matter? And he said, I wanted a brown and white pony. <laughs> okay. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So then she took the optimist to the stall, which was filled with horse manure. And she opened it up and he looked at it and he dove in and he was like digging around in there and, you know, he came up out of it and he's got, you know, crap all over him. And she's, and he's got this smile on his face and she's like, what, why are you happy? And he's like, mommy, with all of this manure around, there's gotta be a pony in here someplace. And so that's what I want to leave you with today, because no matter how much crap we have to deal with and face and whatnot, there is a pony in there somewhere. Okay. Hang on to that. That's all I got for now. I'll see you next time.